This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Breaking news, guys. Andrew Benintendi just picked up a hit for the Yankees. Uh, why is it breaking news? Because in his first 23 at-bats, he had one hit. One hit for the Yankees. So the question was, did we actually replace Joey Gallo with another Joey Gallo? Because all we heard about Andrew Benintendi was left-handed bat, hit not a lot of power, but hits for average, going to play well in Yankee Stadium. And got to the plate, and for 23 at-bats, just couldn't muster anything more than just one hit. I was never really concerned about Benintendi because, you know, winning a, winning a championship with the Red Sox, he's clearly proven he can play in a, in a sizable market and end big games. But, you know, the Joey Gallo syndrome, where it's like the lefty bat Yankee Stadium, is, is, is it too much? You start to change your swing a little bit. That becomes a factor. But he's now on second base with two outs. IKF with a chance to give them some breathing room. They lead three to two in St. Louis. They've lost their last two games. The Yankees in their last twenty five have lost thirteen. I'm sorry, Yankees in their last twenty seven games have lost fifteen games. Twelve and fifteen in their last twenty seven games. That ain't great. It's not gonna be good enough to beat, you know, the team that everyone thinks you're gonna have to go through to get to the World Series, and that's the Houston Astros. That seems to be the thorn in your side. You have to get that one seed. You have to have game six and seven played at Yankee Stadium. I mentioned for the Mets, winning the division is more important to them than it is Atlanta just because we've seen Atlanta win a a title last year. We have more confidence in them right now in the postseason than than we do with the Mets. Same goes for the Yankees with the Astros. Houston doesn't really need that one seed. They can play wherever, whenever, because they employ Justin Verlander. Altuve is a headache. You know, Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, that team's loaded. They they were in the World Series last year. They were in the World Series in, in 2021. They, they they won it in 17. I'm sorry, they, it wasn't 2020. It was 2019 they were in the World Series. But they've had three World Series appearances in this run. They've won one. You've got to be the the team that comes with force. You've got to have everything working in your favor to to beat that team. And so far, the Yankees haven't really shown us anything this year because the Astros have dominated them. We haven't seen anything from the Yankees this year to suggest that it's going to be any different in October. I think it will, and maybe that's just me being an optimistic fan. Something about this team feels different. But that rotation littered with question marks. Nestor Cortez was pretty good tonight. He was pretty good tonight. It's so funny. Like It feels like a long time ago we were chanting Cy Young for Nestor Cortez. That feels like ages ago. Because so much has happened since then. Maybe he hit a little bit of a wall. Tyone has been dreadful. Cole, we talked about him last night. Five times this year he's given a five, five or more earned runs. That's not going to get it done. Severino's now in the 60-day I.L., He's also upset because he thought he was going to spend a shorter amount of time. He, he thought he was good with the 10-day, the and now they transferred him to six, uh, the 60-day. So a lot going on with that rotation. It all sounds like a bunch of question marks. Meanwhile, the Mets, if you're leaving City Field, I want to hear from you. Just lost that game to the Braves. You were out of it so early. like Before you could even sit down, it was 4 nothing in the first inning. Then it was 8-1. With a guy in Taiwan Walker who's been so good for you. He's allowed to have bad starts. Scary moment earlier in this game 
where he threw a pitch and it looked like his spike got caught on the mound. But in real time, you couldn't really see what happened. It looked like he had suffered some type of an injury. But once we saw the replay, it was clear that it was just a spike. So you were able to breathe a sigh of relief. Because with that rotation, you just got back to Grom. The last thing you need is other guys getting hurt. As long as you can keep that core intact, and I get the bullpen has some question marks, but as long as you can keep these guys healthy, and, and it's really for any team, you, you, you have an excellent shot to to contend in the National League. And I just wonder what, what, what defines a successful season for the Mets. We heard in the update, Kershaw experiencing some lower back pain for the second time this season, so he's headed to the injured list. That could... That could change that could change the dynamic of the National League if Kershaw isn't healthy. Now the Dodgers, I mean it's a loaded team, they have a ton of talent, but a Kershaw injury obviously would be significant. And that's the thing about winning championships. You gotta have good injury luck. It seems like for the Mets, it's starting to come together at the right time because your guys are returning. But that Kershaw injury, that's one to watch out for. I saw Dave Roberts earlier today said the expectation is it'll be something like two to four weeks. But, I mean, how often do we hear about lower back pain and then we just forget about it? Like, oh, remember that lower back pain that he had? That kind of just went away. So that's definitely going to be something that we keep an eye out for. And, and of course, you're not a Met fan rooting for guys that get injured, but it's something that you can definitely take advantage of once it happens. Because the Mets, I think the Dodgers are better, but then the Mets can absolutely beat them. And we know the most significant variable in sports when it comes to winning championships is, is, is injury. And at any moment it can happen, which is why like we get so enamored with championship windows. Man, it happens fast. It happens so quickly. You got to strike while the iron is hot. Which brings me back to the question about a successful season for the Mets. Because we can look at it and say they have... You know, however long you think this window is, because Steve Cohen's going to spend all the money. They've got all the talent. Lindor locked up to a long-term contract. Alonzo's not eligible for uh, uh, an extension for a couple of years. But, you know, Scherzer's getting older. DeGrom is, well, for all intents and purposes, going to opt out at the end of the season, assuming he stays healthy. So it can all change quickly. You're the Mets. That, that all These championship windows, we overrate sometimes. Now is the time to win that championship. I'm a Yankee fan. I, I heard all the chatter in 2017. And Alan Hahn, who I love dearly, that's my guy. But I, I produced his show. And throughout that series in, against the Astros in 2017, the, the question every night was, is this house money for the Yankees? And I said, absolutely not. It is so hard to win a championship. So many things have to go right. You need really good injury luck. Ball baseball is weird where you know sometimes the ball really doesn't bounce your way. It it, it becomes it becomes a, a a real fight. And the Yankees, we know the question marks has always surrounded their rotation. They just haven't been able to figure it out. I never thought that that series was house money. And look, they still haven't gotten to the World Series. So if you're the Mets, this isn't a, a house money season. This isn't just you know you win the division and anything happens, we'll take it. I think at the very least you got to get to a championship series. At the very least you get to a championship series and once you're in that final four dance, 
you just feel good about anything that can ha- can happen because if you're there, it likely means that Scherzer and DeGrom have been able to stay healthy. And I know the the concern is not getting enough run support for DeGrom. I don't think that's something that you really have to be concerned about. I know in years past it's been a thing. He pitches lights out. You don't score enough runs. Even if when you, when you do score runs, the bullpen blows it. I don't think the story of the Mets season this year is going to be however it ends, and if it does end before they can win a championship, I don't think the story will be, well, DeGrom was great. The offense just didn't show up. I just, I, I, I really believe in this offense. Lindor, Marte, Alonzo, I, I, McNeil, who hit the home run in the ninth inning, I really believe in this offense. They've got guys capable of getting some big hits. Guys that I trust in big moments who aren't going to be afraid of it. I was at that walk. Man, I was at that game last Wednesday night in City Field where Marta hit that walk off. That was probably the most heartbreaking game I've ever been to. That was rough. For Glaber Torres, because it, it was so cruel the way it happened. Glaber Torres, that the Yankees have been dominated by Scherzer all game. Judge looked anything. Like, uh, uh, anything other than the MVP of the league. Dominated the entire game. They finally get to the bullpen. Gleyber Torres hits that two-run shot to tie it. And I'm thinking, wow, they're actually going to do this. Like, this is the type of Met-Yankee game that happens. All the Met fans feel great. They're getting cocky. And then, bam, all in an instant, it's gone. Gleyber hits that home run. And then Marte hits the walk-off. That, that was so depressing. I've never been I've never been to a game where the Yankees were on the the wrong end of a walk off. It was the first time I had ever been in attendance for something like that. So it was very depressing. And I don't think I'm I'm over it yet, which is why you know what? I want the Mets in the World Series. Let's do it. Let's do it. Mets Yankees World Series. Let's sign up for it right now. Now it makes me nervous because of like it's a it would be worse for the Yankees to lose that series than it would be for the Mets. And in that same breath it's better for the Mets to win that series than it would be for the Yankees like the Mets have more to gain but less to lose the Yankees have more to lose but less to gain but sign me up for it sign me up for it if you're a Mets fan out there how you feeling tonight 800-919-3776 the Yankees are five outs away five outs away from a victory in St. Louis, but nursing a one-run lead. Clay Holmes is on the mound. He struggled as of late. He's becoming a little bit of a question mark, becoming a little tiny bit of a question mark. We He's never really pitched in big games, which is I, I'm, rooting, I'm rooting for him to do well, obviously, but, you know, Araldis Chapman, <laughs> and it sounds crazy, but... If, isn't that the best-case scenario for the Yankees, for him to be the closer again and Clay Holmes to be your eighth-inning guy? Now, I know Araldis Chapman has been erratic. You know He's given up some big postseason home runs. The walk-off to Altuve, uh, the game against the Rays, game five, and the bubble. Like, I get it. It's just, I don't know. I, I, we haven't seen Clay Holmes get it done, so it just makes me a little bit nervous. But at Yankee fans, Met fans out there, hit me up on Twitter, at Ty D. Butler. Give us a call, 800 919 Three seven seven six Subway Series will it happen? I sure hope so. Ninety eight seven ESPN.
Let's head back to the phone lines, 800-919-3776. Arib calling from the parking lot. You just left the Mets game. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on, bro? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. What's good? Yeah. Yeah, this is actually my first Mets game ever. I've been a Mets fan forever. I was born in Flushing, but this was my first ever Mets game. Had a great time, but uh, tough loss, tough loss. Tough loss, but nothing to, you know, get your head down about. Listen, you've said you've been a Met, um, a Met fan for a long time. You have to be feeling good about playing big games in August, games that matter, games that there's an expectation for you to do something special. So, I, I look, I get it. It's your first Met game, and, and it's the second inning. You're down 8-1, not ideal. But you got to feel good about where your team is right now and, and what your ceiling is. Yeah. Yeah, no, you said it. Like, they were down, like, 4-0 before, you know, I even got to my feet. So <laughs> that's that, for your first that game, bummer, man. But... Unless, uh, that's going to be a story <laughs> yeah. you can tell forever. Like, before I even sat down at my first ever Met game, they were down 4 nothing. But, you know, my, my feelings kind of on the drive home. It's just I'm excited because uh, some people thought the Braves were just going to lay down and, you know, we were going to get 4 out of 5 or even the sweep, but... You know, the, the, the chance for a reason, uh, we got to take it. And I feel like, you know, with how Edwin's, like, pitching at the end and with a couple of the pitches that we have, even though Taiwan had a bad game today overall, I think he'll pick himself up. You know, he was due for a bad one. Might as well get it out of the way before we get to September. And I'm kind of ready for a playoff push. I think everybody is. And I'll let you go, man. Appreciate the call, bro. Well, appreciate the call, Arib. Sorry that that was the first ever Met game you've been to, but you, being level-headed matters at this point in the season. You, it, it's a it's a, a series against the defending champs. You've got five games. They, I mean, even if you're optimistic about it, you would take three and two this weekend. Three and two and a series victory, you take that. You sign up for that. Taiwan Walker, I mean, he he's been great all year for you, and you know, due for a bad start, unfortunately, it, it came tonight after that win last night, and against against the Braves team that is looking up at you in the standings. But it happens, and now you've got Scherzer going tomorrow, you've got Peterson as well. Hopefully, you can split that doubleheader. Then Degrom can take care of business on Sunday. But if you're a Met fan, you have to feel great about the situation you're in. The Braves are looking up at you in the standings. So be level-headed. Does it suck for you to lose that way? Be down for nothing before you can take your seat? Of course. But, you know, things happen. Speaking of Taiwan Walker, I mean, it was as bad of a start he's had all year. Lasted just one inning, seven hits, eight runs, gave up two home runs. His ERA... <laughs> goes up to three, four, five. I mentioned uh, on the on the contrary coming into this game in his last nine starts, he was pitching to a two, three, eight ERA, and you know he just struggled. Didn't have it tonight. And here's what he had to say after the game about not doing the job. I mean, I thought I felt pretty good in the bullpen, but you know I went out there. My velo wasn't very good um, today either, and you know I was just leaving too many balls over the middle of the plate. Um, you know, I didn't do my job today. Um, the bullpen had to wear it, which I'm not proud of at all. Um, you know, the offense still did their job and saw a lot of a lot of their pitchers today and scored six runs. And, you know, when you give up eight runs, it's going to be hard to come back from. Hard to come back from giving up eight runs, but the Mets did it tonight. Almost did it, I should say. It was 8-5.
They were threatening Canna at the plate. But, you know, for him to have arguably, and, and not even, I don't even think it's all that arguable, the worst start of, of the season so far for, you know, for Taiwan Walker and your team still be in it, I think it's a testament to how different this ball club is this year. Here was Buck Showalter weighing in on Trevor Williams going four shutout innings. One of the key outings for us tonight was uh, Trevor Williams. He was a very valuable guy for us this year, especially with his versatility back and forth and, you know, the job that uh, Joely did. And Michael came in and got a double play ball, and Tommy finished it up. He'd like to have that last, uh, next last hitter back. But, uh, you know, our guys kept grinding. And um, I don't think it means, you know, they've, they've used all their – bullpen most of the year. I mean, they they don't run them out there. They're pretty short outings. They really got so many good weapons down there. They just kind of pass the load around. So, uh, you know, they'll be back on their feet. You know, they're, they're fine tomorrow, and uh, it'll be uh, you, know, you got two good teams. They We were able to get to a very good pitcher last night, and they were able to get to a very good pitcher today. Yeah, it's a fun series. The three games left against these guys, it'll be fun. Uh Speaking of fun, so I don't know if you guys saw this on our Instagram earlier. It was the first thing I saw when I was going through the social media. <laughs> the tortilla challenge that um, Rick had this morning with DNR. Now, I don't remember who the player was. It was uh, Lincoln Tomlinson. Lincoln Tomlinson. So the tortilla challenge is where I believe you put, like, liquid in your mouth and then you guys just take turns smacking each other in the face. <laughs> that, that's, so I actually tried this with Cassie, and you know how many rounds it lasted? How many? Just one. That's not the type of thing that I want to be a part of. You know what? I don't. I don't blame you. I don't know how many times I can get slapped in the face. Yeah, just getting slapped in the face. Like whoever came up with this challenge, I don't think thought it all the way through. It, there's only but so many times you can just sit there and smack me in my face, and and I mean not get offended by that. Uh, it's it's all fun again, and I think they only lasted one round, and I think Rick won, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and then the highlight was it was a hole in the tortilla. There was a hole in the tortilla. Excellent play by play. Uh, by my guy Dave Rothenberg, who you'll hear tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. reacting to a Met loss. Uh, so that should be fun. Listen to him overreact. But, yeah, the tortilla challenge, not my thing. Getting slapped in the face, I, it just stings. It, it, it's, I think it's way more disrespectful than getting punched in the face. Not that you want to get punched in the face, but I'd rather that than getting slapped in my face. That tortilla challenge thing to me just ain't it. I'm not with that. So we, maybe, maybe we can nix that tortilla challenge. But good job by Rick winning getting a victory earlier this morning. They had the, their uh, show at Jets camp from 5 to 8 a.m. this morning. I'm, I'm looking forward to the season getting started. I'm really looking forward to it. Zach Wilson, big, big, big year potentially for him. I don't know that I, I want to sit up there and compare him to Patrick Mahomes. It feels like it's the thing to do. Every time we have a young quarterback, we say whoever the best quarterback is in the league at that moment, let's compare him to that guy. I, I, I don't I – don't, I don't love that comparison. I would love for him to become Patrick Mahomes, obviously, but you watch Patrick Patrick Mahomes, that's a one-of-one one guy. He's one-of-one. One. If Zach Wilson can just look like a, a functional NFL quarterback next year, I will take that. I will take that. And the Jets have a lot more weapons this time around than, than they'd had last year. Garrett Wilson drafting him. 
Corey Davis, I expect him to be better. He better be better on all the money that they they paid him. Elijah Moore emerged as a number one threat last year. Braxton Berrios coming back. We heard Denzel Mims even talking earlier about his goals for this season. Here was Denzel Mims. Hopefully I see myself on top. I mean, I feel like I put in enough work to be there. That's a coach's decision, but I'm continuing to work my tail off and do everything I can. When you say on top, do you mean like part of the rotation? Start receiver. That's my goal. That's my only goal. Yeah, so this this sounds like a guy who's not going to be on this team long term. Initially, it was about, you know, schematically, he just didn't fit. And, like, I understand that to some degree, but if a guy is talented, like, if a guy, if you think a guy is really talented, you find a way to make him fit into the scheme. Especially when your offense is, for the Jets to be that bad offensively last year and him not be a factor, like, something's wrong there. It was, it drops, it just didn't look comfortable. I know they had issues with his route running. This just does not sound like a guy that long-term is going to be a New York Jet. And I I don't know, like, what happened there because, you know, he was part of that, what was it, the 2020 draft, the Beckton draft, which is what I found interesting, too, because you go back to that 2020 Jets draft, you remember, you know, last year Beckton, he got hurt and then the injury wasn't supposed to be long term and then we never saw him again. And then this this year coming into the draft, there was talk about him possibly getting traded. And I said, well, that would be a disaster for Joe Douglas in that 2020 draft where you took Beckton, who, you know, has been plagued by injuries. Now he had to change positions. He's now at right tackle. Fanton's at left tackle. Weight issues. And then for Mims to just be a non-factor, those are the first two picks in a, in a draft. Those are expected to be high-impact players. If they if they are amounting to zero contribution, that is a, a bad draft. That's just it's just not good. But it looks like Becton um, is going to you know be able to come back and, and be a factor. He has to be. But. As far as, you know, Wilson is concerned, Patrick Mahomes, you'd love it. You'd sign up for it if you're a Jet fan. But listen, can we can we look like we know how to play the quarterback position? Can we do that? I'll take that. More of your Mets calls coming up. Yankees right now uh, just surrendered the lead. Yankees just surrendered the lead, which is so frustrating. A two-run double for the Cardinals, and the Yankees are staring at their third straight loss. So that just put me in a terrible mood. Wow. Wow. We'll be back. 98.7 ESPN. Like what's happening with Clay Holmes? So DeYoung of the Cardinals hits a, a two-run double. The Yankees have been winning all game. But in the bottom of the eighth inning, a two-run double, and now St. Louis is up 4-3. to three. Aaron Judge had an at-bat just now with LeMahieu on first and one out, flew out to center, and here's Matt Carpenter back in his return to St. Louis with the chance to you know keep the game going. But uh, the Clay Holmes, him just falling apart all of a sudden is, is a concern, and it's frustrating because like who do you turn to now? 
Uh, the King injury was significant. Chad Green's gone for the season as well. Chapman has been struggling. And I know the Yankees added some bullpen help with Trevino and Efros, but you can't have your closer out here blowing games. And Boone brought him in early uh, to try to shut this one down, and he just couldn't get the job done. Matt Carpenter just grounded out to second base, so the, now the Yankees have lost, or it stands to be that they will lose their third straight game. Boone is going to challenge the play at second base. It did not look like Carpenter beat it out, but you know why save the challenge? So Boone's going to have the umpires put the headphones on, and this is going to go to instant replay. But if this, this call stands, it's going to be the third straight loss for the Yankees. Now, one is going to say, how on earth is it possible to be frustrated about a team that is still 33 games above 500? It's tough. Most most fan bases are starving for anything close to what the Yankees have given me in my lifetime. And yeah, it's not even close. Carpenter is going to be called out. The Yankees are going to lose this game. But the reality is... And I feel like a spoiled brat saying this, but the fan base is starving for a championship. You haven't seen one in a, in a long 13 years. Which, by the way, the Jets haven't won a playoff game or had made the playoffs in, in 12 years. So it's almost as long as like Yankee fans complain about not winning a World Series in 13 years. I'm also a Jet fan. We complain about not having made the playoffs in that in that long of a span, which just shows you like how we're running two different races when it comes to what the Yankees are doing and what the Jets are doing. But the like this year started off promising, and I and I still think when it's all said and done, they're going to be in it to win it. But I gave you the stat earlier. In the last 27 games, and now we go 28 games. In the last 28 games for the Yankees, they're 12 and 16. At some point, the numbers have to matter. Now, is it that they're not as good as what they were when they were on an historic pace? Maybe. It's the dog days of summer. Injuries have piled up. Stanton's on the IL. It's that they've lost some pitchers. There's some, um, you know, Severino going down as it hurt them really. You know, Tyone has hit a wall. Garrett Cole has struggled. So it feels like everything is happening at the same time, and they just aren't able to overcome it. Clay Holmes just keeps blowing games. I was at that game when they were up 3-0 against Cincinnati, and he just blew it. Tonight, another game, he just blows. This is becoming a trend. At what point do you become concerned about their bullpen situation? And where is the answer coming from? Because if the starters are struggling— and then you're, and then when the starters perform well, the the closers blowing the games. How how are you going to win games? Now I expect them to be fine. They they still have a comfortable lead in the division. That's not a question. But it's about long term positioning yourself to be able to overtake the Astros, and it starts with you winning the one seat. So the Yankees lose tonight. They're now three games back of the Dodgers for the overall one seat. The, the Astros, uh, last I checked, were winning. Uh, has that game gone final yet? Astros were winning. That game did go final against Cleveland. They won 9-3. to The Astros now are tied in the win column, 70 with the Yankees, but two games back in the all-important loss column. So they are right on your toes. As great as the Yankees were in this first half of the season, the Astros are right there and the Dodgers have passed them 
So this is why you are, and, and and this question had been thrown around on the station, well, why aren't Yankee fans more excited? I don't think Yankee fans suffered from a lack of excitement. It, it it's It's been a fun season, especially because you remember coming into it, like no one was was happy with Cashman and company after what happened in the offseason. Like, Correa didn't sign him, Seeker. Like, there were moves that we thought were to be made that just didn't materialize. And we felt like they dropped the ball in the offseason. But then they started off red hot. And I, I don't think there was a lack of excitement. It was just, we've seen this movie before. Let's not allow ourselves to be seduced by regular season success. Because, uh, yeah, that happened in 2018 when they won 100 games and then lost to the Red Sox. And it happened in 2019 when they won 103 games and lost to Houston. And that happened again last year when they went on that late run and then didn't win a playoff game. So we've seen them experience regular season success only to be met by great pitching where your bats couldn't respond in October. And another concern is the, the rotation. So, again, it's not that Yankee fans aren't excited. It's just, have we done enough to overcome our postseason demons from years past? Demons being the Houston Astros, who we can't seem to, to overcome. That team is, a, and it's like psychological now. I think it's become psychological that they just can't beat the Astros in the regular season, they can't beat them in the playoffs, which is why Boone and I, like, after they lost that series uh, coming out of the break, when they lost those two games to the Astros, and Boone was all frustrated because he felt like there was an overreaction to what happened. You know, last year they played them well in the regular season and then they didn't even get to see them in the playoffs. Well, I don't think it's an overreaction to look at the team you're chasing, a team that you haven't been able to get past, and say, yeah, us not... I believe the stat is ha- haven't had a single at bat with a lead against the Astros this year. I don't think it's it's fair to call that an overreaction because the games they were where they were beating the Astros, it was come from behind, walk off victories. They've been thoroughly dominated by this team, and then the playoffs come, it, they look like they're spooked. So I, I don't think it's fair to call it an overreaction. The Astros just seem to be that that big bad beast that they can't they can't get past. It's like the Eastern Conference teams in the '90s couldn't get past Jordan. That's what the Astros are becoming for the Yankees. And for some reason, it just I mean, we can't put it behind us. Now, I I don't think that there's no shot that they beat them. I I, I would still pick them to win in the playoffs against Houston, but. It is concerning to be watching a team that in the last 28 games has, has, has lost 16. A little bit concerning. We'll wrap up with your phone calls. I, I will, I promise, I've been teasing this this Nets thing. We will get to you, we will get to that after the break, uh, breaking in with some basketball as we wrap the show. Going until midnight right here on 98.7 ESPN. D.O. in Long Island wants to talk Yankees. What's up, man? Talk to me. What's going on? How you doing? Uh, I'm not doing great, man. Yeah, neither am I. So let's vent. Let, you know, let's talk through this together. Let's let's have some some therapeutic we're, we're sessions cooking. here. 
cooked. We're cooked, bro. We're cooked. Oh, no. We're cooked, man. We, we don't have the pitching. The bedrock of our pitching are two guys that are not what they were when we signed them, Chapman and Cole. You can't trust either of these guys in a big spot at all. And now Holmes is imploding. I, I had a little bit of hope that, all right, Holmes is our closer. Chapman's becoming the seventh and sixth inning guy. I can sleep at night with Chapman pitching in the sixth and seventh. But now he's going to be graduated back to the ninth because Holmes is imploding. So we're cooked, bro. It's, it's over. We're not even, I don't even know if we're going to get out of the first round. Wait, Dio, so, hang on, hang on. Just one second. So can we, can we just like, understand and put things into its proper perspective? Yankees, second-best record in baseball, second-best run differential. The division race is over. They're going to have a first-round bye in the American League. Like, this idea that they're cooked it feels a little premature and emotional. Here's the thing, man. Like, Eraldis Chapman, regardless of whether or not he's pitching in the seventh inning or in the ninth inning, if he's struggling, then then they're drawing dead. So, like, I don't understand this idea that, well, you know, I feel better about him in the sixth inning and the seventh inning versus the ninth inning. We know Chapman isn't afraid of big games. It's just the command issues and something's going wrong with him. I don't know if he's succumbing to pressure of a big game or the ninth inning just having on, you know, having a, a tougher a challenge that awaits him. I, I don't. I, it's not that. It's just that he has to be better. So it, I, I don't understand the sense of trusting him more in the seventh inning versus the ninth inning. Because in the ninth inning, the entire game is on the line. But it, it, in, the, in the playoffs, if you're bringing Chapman into a game in the seventh inning, it also means that the game is on the line. Like, you, you yeah, need no, him to be dominant. Regardless of, where, regardless of when he's pitching, you need him to, to not implode. Definitely. But if he implodes in the seventh inning, you can yank him. Maybe it's a, they get a run or they hit a two-run homer, and you're like, okay, he doesn't have it tonight. Let's yank him. Let's put in, in Abreu or Litke, and hopefully Judge can get us back in the game. And in the ninth inning, Holmes can come, but no more. Look, I, I, I yes, and 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 I appreciate your call, Dio. Like, I get, I get there is room to come. Like, obviously, like if you if you fall apart in the seventh inning, you have room to come back. My only point is, they need Chapman to be Chapman. Whether that's happening in the seventh inning or the eighth inning or the ninth inning, they need him to be a contributor on this team. And I don't think Chapman is the type. It doesn't come across to me that he's just petrified uh, of being the closer. I just think that something is off with his stuff. He's getting older. He's been thrown hard for a long time. He's battled injuries. He's been susceptible to giving up big hits. I don't think it's anything about the ninth inning. I get it. Like, it gives you more time to come back if the lead is surrendered in the sixth inning. Like, I understand that part of it. My only point is just they need him to be good regardless. And if Clay Holmes is blowing games on top of all the injuries that you have, I just wonder who you turn to. Clay Holmes, there was an argument. He was the best reliever in baseball. It feels like we're so far removed from that now. That that's we you can't have your entire pitching staff be a gigantic question mark. Like you can survive with a little bit of a concerning bullpen if you have an elite rotation, because then you get to the playoffs. One or two of those guys move to the bullpen; they become long men, and you can figure it out. 
you can survive with a little bit of a suspect rotation if you have an elite bullpen because once you get a lead, you start counting backwards with the outs and you, you build it that way. But if your rotation and your bullpen both stink, might be drawing dead, my G. Uh, just before we wrap the show, I mentioned the net stuff. So Ian Begley um, provided an update on both Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Uh, Ian Begley of SNY, here was his update on Kyrie Irving. With regards to Kyrie Irving, I was told by a source close to Irving that he feels that he and the Nets are in a pretty good place, very good place right now, and comfortable as we sit here in early August, heading towards the start of next season. Irving obviously uh, opted into the final year of his deal with Brooklyn. Uh, he could be an unrestricted free agent next summer. After a lot of trade talk, doesn't appear to be much there at the moment. So it's worth noting that Irving, according to our source close to him, is very comfortable. Uh, feels like the Nets and he are in a good place at this point as you head towards next season. So FYI, I will be back on these very airwaves tomorrow afternoon. You get Rothenberg from 9 to noon, Pat O'Keefe from noon to 3. I will be on from 3 to 6. We'll get more into this, but I do think it's interesting how the tide has changed in Brooklyn. Uh, and like when, when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving made headlines it was Kyrie Irving is not happy about the negotiations between him and the net front office because he feels he is deserving of a long-term contract the net off the net front office said no you're not just plain and simple no you're not Kevin Durant after Kyrie Irving opts into his deal request a trade and it felt like everything in Brooklyn was falling apart like, this was the biggest disaster, or one of the biggest disasters, and quite frankly, in NBA history, to have all of these guys, Harden, Durant, and Irving, all in their prime on the same team, and you win one playoff series. Everything was coming apart at the seams. Now, though, if you're a Net fan, you have to feel like we're trending toward this group being back together next year, for better or for worse. I would say for better because... You get a, a fully engaged and locked-in Kyrie Irving who's on the final year of a contract looking to get paid, whether that's by the Nets or by another team. He will be fully engaged and locked in. I don't think he's going to do any and uh, be a part of any of the shenanigans. Now, the injuries, who knows what happens there, but there's no vaccine mandate. I think you will have him fully loaded next year. Kevin Durant, the, the trade front seems to be quiet. Uh, it looks like the Nets thought that they had uh, a more lucrative package on the table in their minds, and that doesn't seem to be materializing. We know that the Celtics were involved in conversations. We heard about the Suns, but it looks like that's not going to happen now that they can't include DeAndre Ayton in the in the deal. Golden State, that got shot down. Miami, who knows what's going to happen there. But the two biggest dominoes to fall this offseason or, or that are in the process of falling this offseason will be what happens with Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Durant. For Kevin Durant, I don't know. I, I'm starting to feel like he's going to remain in Brooklyn. So if you get Durant, Irving, and now Simmons healthy, fresh off of back surgery, you get those three guys on the court next year healthy, I think you're a legitimate contender in the Eastern Conference. Now the question is, you know, Simmons hasn't played in 16 months. 
People forget he's an all-star. He's an all-star caliber player, one of the, the best perimeter defenders in the league. He's an excellent playmaker, really good rebounder as a point guard. Yes, he struggles with the jump shot, but when he's on the floor, he's a really good player. Kyrie Irving still one of the best offensive players in the league, and Durant, I, anywhere from the first, second, or third best player in basketball. You get those three guys on the court, you are a legitimate team. So I just wonder what's going to happen, and, and look— we can find out two weeks from now there's a deal on the table. Durant is not backing off of his trade request. But I do wonder, the closer we get to training camp, like is Durant just going to not show up? Is he going to just be mad all season long? Is He it, He doesn't strike me as that guy. He's going to come out. All He says all he wants to do is hoop. I think the best place for him to do that this upcoming season is in Brooklyn. You can't go to another team and chase titles. You, you tried that method before and it didn't work. It didn't garner any, any respect. And you know, everyone knows I'm a big Kevin Durant fan. That's that's my guy. He's my favorite player in the league right now. I'm rooting for him to be successful and win championships. The the Golden State Warriors winning this title was so bad for his legacy because it it gave merit to this idea that they never needed him. Now, it's still untrue. They did need him to win those championships, but for them to win before you got there and then after you left, not good for your legacy. And if you turn around and then go to Boston, another team that beat you in the playoffs, you couldn't beat them, you join them, or you go to Phoenix, they were two years removed from the NBA Finals, or heck, go back to the Warriors, none of that is giving you a clear path to respectability amongst your peers and amongst media members and amongst your fans. So I think the best course of action would be for him to return to the team next year, do your best to lead them to a championship. Can it happen? Who knows? So many variables with Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving and then Steve Nash. I don't think he's a good head coach, but they improved, added Royce O'Neal, TJ Warren, Patty Mills is back, Seth Curry. So your roster is good enough to contend. Is it going to work? Who knows? What did work was this show tonight. What a blast we had. It was so much fun. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN.